Oh, we are live. We are live on Facebook. We are also live here on Zoom. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us this evening. We are here in Warriors of Lacho, which is a masterclass series that we are doing with Africa's leading spiritual, indigenous, and wellness experts from all across this beautiful planet of ours. And today we're doing episode eight with Mukulum Deli Linda. Hello, hello. Welcome, Mukulum. Well, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Good evening to one and all. Sanbona Nitogozan, Marcos. Thank you for joining us here today in this really important and powerful conversation of know thyself because in all things this is the origin of understanding your experience and basically going deeper in your path of healing of spirituality it starts with the self so i'm really excited for us to dive deep today and uh yeah, to explore this powerful conversation, particularly for us as African people, Black people, because knowing ourselves is not a thing we know how to do or a thing that has been cultivated within us. So today we're going to be exploring and expanding on and contemplating and meditating on this conversation. Indeed, indeed. I have the pleasure of taking this journey with, with you and uh, with our humble guests or rather audience i'm the guest today you know i'm so used to being <laughs> the host um so <laughs> today i'm the guest wow it's a different feeling i can tell you <laughs> i know it's a beautiful feeling to now finally step up and step in front and be the leading the leading voice you are our leading voice today <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and um for everyone who's joining us here on zoom uh thank you we will be using the chat to to chat with us throughout the conversation and in the last 15 minutes or so of our conversation we will open for questions and answers and you should be able to see the Q&A in your gadget. So you can use the Q&A specifically for asking questions and the chat for just, you know, chatting with us, with us throughout, um, throughout the conversation, right? And if you're joining us on Facebook, because we are also live on Facebook, uh, feel free to also ask questions during the Q&A part of, of our conversation and I will come to those questions when it's time for that. Yes. Okay, so then, okay, I have shared with everyone and we are ready to begin. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I wanted us to begin with a brief grounding as well as just commanding and setting our sacred space so that that which is going to be shared here is coming from our sacred heart and it's uh, connected with the higher knowledge, higher wisdom that is all around us. 
I, so for this part, uh, if you are able to, I ask you to close your eyes and to bring your right hand to your heart and the other hand to your solar plexus, um, the navel area or womb area, wherever you're feeling there. And if you're able to allow your feet to be grounded in the air. And we allow ourselves to come to our higher heart center and to return to our home, our inner home. And we return using the breath, taking a deep breath from the womb if you're female and from your root chakra, your, the base of the spine if you're male, breathing from that point to the heart. And as we breathe out, we release all that we've been holding. And we become aware of the diamond seed of light, spark of blue light in our heart, which is symbolic of our essence, our soul essence, becoming alive and recalibrating. You may even see that energy just beginning to move from the heart and beginning to move down through your feet and into the earth, into the soil of our mother, Gaia Sophia, and beginning to see that energy. And this energy, you are releasing all that you've been holding throughout the day. You're sending it down. You're sending it down to earth core in the galactic womb of our mother through our earth star into the room and just release so that all the worries, all the stress of the day may be sent down to be transmitted with unconditional love. And from our mother, Gaia Sophia, this living, breathing being sends us the diamond frame, healing light code that returns through the soil into our feet once again and open yourself to receive this love, this light. And allow yourself to feel that love in your heart and allow that love to go up through the crown, your crown chakra, the top of your head and through the soul star, the part that connects you to your soul and all the way to the great central sun, to the heavens. And here we invite in, we connect with our beloved God, we connect 
with our luminous ancestors who connect with the councils of our higher selves, with the councils of light that work with all of us here today in this particular point in human history. And we set the stake with that grace, that love coming in from the higher heaven. And we take a final deep breath in, returning once again to the body. And we release and open our eyes. And Oh, that feels good. <laughs> I feel good as well. I feel the desire to yawn. I was telling you that I was feeling a big yawn around your energy is now calm now. So we are good. <laughs> Great. Yeah. So Mukolo, we are here in conversation in a contemplation of knowing the self, knowing that self, and uh, such a broad conversation. But in beginning, may we begin with contemplating why it's important for us to know the self, particularly as African people. Thanks. Um, the importance of knowing oneself. Um, runs pretty deep in a sense that it, it is the beginning of everything about you. Um, and it is the end of everything about you. So when you don't know yourself, uh, you lose your bearing, you lose in essence who you are. And you cannot even begin to understand what, you're, what are you supposed to give into the world and what are you supposed to receive from the world? Um, and as a result, you'll find that um, because we uh, have lost our sense of self, we do some of the harshest things. You know, we, we, we raise our hands to, to, to women. You'll see with the, with the gender-based violence, um, we, we don't live in peace and harmony. We don't live uh, in one with nature uh, simply because we don't understand who we are. So the minute you start understanding yourself, um, you will begin to understand, um, for example, the, the concept of Ubuntu, Ubuntu, uh, I am because you are. You will actually understand that that even goes further than just us interacting as human beings. I am because the tree is. I am because the soil is. I am because the sky is. I am because the bird is. Then you are able to live in harmony in the environment. So knowing yourself um, is where it all begins. And that is the most important part um, to successful living, um, but also I want to introduce this aspect because we tend to think that uh, because we are in the flesh, that is the end all and be all. Um, 
we must understand that we are spiritual beings having a human experience. So if you grasp that concept, you begin to understand that you, you then need to know yourself. And when I'm saying know yourself, I'm not talking about just know your name and surname. I'm not talking about know your parents. I'm not talking about know your family. I'm talking about who am I? What am I? What is within and what is without? So you begin to internalize what is it that um, makes me in terms of the spiritual realm before I look at what is physically available in terms of the flesh, in terms of tangible objects around me. You know, so knowing yourself is actually the beginning. Um, there are other scholars that I, I, I read and, and other uh, professors and, and uh, learned um, persons in, 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 in the world out there. And I've learned from the things that they talk about. Um, that knowing yourself is also self-mastery. So my understanding therefore is when you come to the, the, the part of knowing yourself, sim in simple terms, it means you are overcoming your animalistic nature. So then you, the, you, you start to overcome the flesh. Then you start interacting in another dimension, uh, in the spiritual dimension. We are, as Africans, spiritual beings after all. So we need to understand how to interact with each other uh, at that level. Even when we greet, the spirits within me, my ancestors, acknowledge the ancestors and the spirits within you. That, that's the acknowledgement. Mm. Yeah, yes. The is profound truth, uh, primordial truth that uh, our ancestors knew and understood and it's within our languages, within our cultures, our norms, our tradition where you could see that this knowledge was fused into our experiences, how we interacted with each other, right? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately that knowledge has uh, not necessarily lost us, but we are no longer as attuned and aware of it, and we are no longer centering it into our daily lives. Right. So even when we speak the the statement to a spiritual being having a human experience, at this point, it's something that a lot of people know, but it's not something that we really understand and we really know how to embody. And I believe that's where the self-mastery comes in, the embodiment of your spirit self while you are having this human experience and living your life from that embodiment. It's, it's very difficult for most people, right? So if we're seeking to understand this, how can we, no, before this one, um, for us African people, we lost this knowledge because of the experiences that have happened to us. And so most of us, we really don't understand. Just from your own experience as someone who's been going deep into understanding this, what can you say and share with us on who we are as spirit beings who are having the African experience? If that makes sense. 
Yes. Um, when we, I think we, we, it's important for us to go back a little bit in terms of um, who we are as, not just as individuals, but as a people in terms of the continent, this, this awesome continent of, of Africa. Um, when we look at who are we, we're gonna have to go back in time and look at the way in which our ancestors lived via ancient wisdom, the wisdom that existed during pre-colonial, the pre-colonial era, the, 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 um, and when I say pre-colonial, I'm talking about, about both the European and the Arab invasions of this continent. So, uh, because the Arabs were the first to invade, um, okay, there were the Hyksos and so on and so forth in Kemet, but in, in essence, I want to go back to a period where there were no invasions on this continent, where we were just um, Africans uh, living on this continent on our own. Um, there are things which our ancestors used to do. There is a way of life, um, a way of life that was united. And it's not to say, you know, sometimes when I talk like this, people say, yeah, but then how do you explain the wars and, and so on? And I'm saying, yes, there were, there's, even between siblings, um, there are fights. But does it mean that the siblings don't love each other? You know, even between um, families, you know, relatives, we will disagree and we will fight. But does it mean that we don't love each other? Does it mean that we want to harm each other to the extent that uh, we destroy each other? You know, so yes, there were wars of competition and so on and so forth. But even the way we did things, the rules of engagement were different. Um, for example, women and children were not harmed. Um, uh, even men who were not part of uh, the regiment uh, were not harmed. Uh, so it's basically the warriors who went out into the battlefield um, who, who, who engaged in battle. Um, so the, the, the way in which things were done was different. Now, when we come back and we look at Ubuntu, we look at Ma'at, we look at the principles that are not from outside in, as you would see in terms of our laws right now. Um, for example, yes, you understand that it is incorrect to steal. So theft is a crime. But you also understand that in as much as theft is a crime, if the police don't catch you, it's okay. So it is until that point that you are caught that you then think, oh my gosh, I've been caught, now I must be answerable. Whereas the, the internal principles say you need to understand within yourself that theft is incorrect and it should not be done. So at the end of the day, you judge yourself to ask yourself, did I not steal today? Did I not harm another today? Did I not speak ill of another today? That is righteous living. You write yourself before anybody writes you. So this is the way in which our ancestors used to live. And in order for you to live that way, um, 
you need to understand what these principles are. You need to understand, even in terms of our indigenous languages, for example. Um, I listen to people say, uh, particularly Euro Europeans would, would say that um, African law has, has never been codified. And I think to myself, but that is absurd because everything about us is law. Law is in our language, the way you speak. Law is in our conduct. The way you, you would never, you not dare take something from an elderly person or from, from, from your senior um, with one hand or with the left hand. That's, that's a sign of disrespect. You would never talk to somebody with, the, with your back faced to them. That's a sign of disrespect. You would never, you would never talk standing up. It's a sign of disrespect. That, so these are laws which are inbuilt into our conduct, our culture, our beliefs, our language. So when one says, but you, your laws were not written down, um, it is wrong in, 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 in that regard, as I've mentioned, but it is also wrong in another sense that the first people to write anything down were Africans, way before Europe even came out of their caves, okay? So African people did write. And when we look at some of the styles of writing, Europeans tend to then say, oh, those are paintings, those are Bushman paintings. Simply because you don't understand what it means doesn't make it a painting. It is a form of communication, it is writing. So those are the things that I keep saying, understand who we are as a people, who our ancestors are, and you will begin to appreciate your greatness as a person. Mm. Yes, yes, I love this so much. It is a code, like our ancestors were leaving codes, which is different from just the written word. It's in, in seeing that, that the wisdom will be invoked within us. Right. With, with the painting. So I, I, I love that um, so much. One of the questions that has always really deeply troubled me is what is it particularly about the African, the Black person, that seems to draw other races to one to oppressors when you when we look at our history we were here in the continent and we are some of the first people who are the civilizations that have risen and fallen with all that great civilizations and we're still here and our dna can go all the way back to the ancient ancestors original humans ethnic and so on so what is it particularly that seems to to call in this oppression and suppression of the truth of who we are, of our origin, of our history, just from your own understanding um, and your own thoughts, really. Okay. Um, over and above that, I have an opinion about the subject matter. The fact in terms of archeology span and anthropology remains that our ancestor did, ancestors did very many great things. They brought civilization right through the world, okay? On every continent, our ancestors brought civilization. They brought greatness. Now, understand that also 
during the time when uh, our ancestors got into Kemet, because remember Kemet is a place of storage, or it used to be a place of storage and perfection. So it incorporates a lot of other African aspects, okay? Even here in the South. Um, I'll give you an example. Of, uh, 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 we have a place here in the South called Inzalelan, in Mpumalang, okay? The birthplace of the sun. That is where Kemet actually started, okay? And our ancestors migrated along the Nilotic Meridian, the Golden Meridian. Um, and at every instant they got together. So the technology kept on improving, they kept on sharing, and eventually they reached Kemet where they perfected all of these ideas, okay? Now, because of this, um, I, I've learned from Dr. Ivan van Sertima that Kemet was in itself about 55,000 years old in terms of its civilization before the first foreigner came into Kemet in the form of the Hyksos and the Europeans, okay? So by then, all 72 pyramids had already been built. Now, when you come back and you read, um, for example, uh, biblical stories telling you about the Jews who built pyramids, you can start understanding why we are being attacked because everybody wants a piece of this greatness that our ancestors made, okay? Now, when you listen to the story about the Jews building the pyramids, historically, let me not even talk about history. Let's talk about archeological records, anthropological records. To this day, there is no grave of a single Jew anywhere on African soil, that is in Kemet. So it cannot be true that there were Jews building pyramids, right? That's the first point. The second point is, if indeed Jews did build pyramids, then you, it would mean that you would have artisans, architects, technicians, bricklayers, and you name it, okay? These are the people whom Moses would have allegedly rescued out of Kemet. Now, these people would be rescued with their skill from building pyramids, correct? You should therefore see that work translate into Jerusalem, Israel, Europe, and everywhere else in terms of the manner in which the structures in Kemet were being built. But you don't see that, okay? You go, you walk through Israel, you will not see any influence of Kemet in Israel. So then it can't be true that people are rescued from Kemet out of, out of this oppression and, and horrible, horrible uh, living standards and what have you, and went into Israel because they, there's no basis for that type of thinking at all. You don't see that, um, even if they don't build pyramids, but the manner in which uh, those, those buildings, those structures would have been constructed, you would see the same engineering appearing there, but you don't see that anywhere in Jerusalem, in, in, in Israel, in Europe, and so on, okay? You, you might see it a little bit in Greece, um, but 
in Greece, it's in Greece and in Rome and so on. Yes, it does translate when they started looking at, for example, the temple of Oset and they started replicating the temple of Oset um, in, in Greece and in Rome and so on. But those were now the Europeans replicating the structures in Kemet. But I'm talking about, for example, the Jews specifically, because they are the ones who allegedly built pyramids. Now, where is that architecture, that signature in their place where they are said to be based? You don't see it. You don't see it uh, with the Arabs. You don't see it with um, the Asians. You don't see it anywhere, okay? Now, it can't be true, therefore, that Jews built pyramids, okay? It cannot, by the time, for example, when Alexander the Horrible invaded Kemet, okay, the Ptolemyak era started. And when the Ptolemyak era started, Ptolemy Philadelphus was the first person who then assisted the Jews from uh, uh, taking the ancient writings of our ancestors from papyri, from the stones, from the graves, the tombs, and so on, to then make up the Jewish Bible. You understand? So when he takes that, you need to understand, therefore, that from that point followed the Christian Bible. So it started with the Jewish Bible, taken from our writings, okay? And then from there onward followed the, 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 the Christian Bible and Islam came much later. Now, when you look at these people copying the works of our ancestors. It then follows logic as to the reason for which they started attacking our ancestors and attacking the continent at large. We, we lived differently. We, 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 we brought civilization to the world. I mean, we even taught Europeans how to bathe. They couldn't even bath. Um, and one would think that that is like the basic thing, the most basic thing that anybody can do. I mean, what's so difficult about jumping in the river and you're clean? Simple, simple, standing under a waterfall and you're clean. It's a simple thing. You know, Queen, I think it was Queen Victoria, one of the queens used to brag about being the cleanest woman in all of Europe. But she bathed only three, she bathed once every three months. And yet she said she was the cleanest person in Europe. Now that tells you a story. We taught these people how to bath. We civilized all of Europe twice, not once, twice. And we are civilizing, we are civilizing Europe even now. These uh, post-colonial pacts uh, that are signed with um, our, our so-called independent states, particularly with France, um, we are still civilizing Europe right now as we speak. We are civilizing the rest of the world right now as we speak. Why is it that you have people who, who allegedly come to invest on this continent and they keep the continent in poverty? Not because Africans are poor people, but if you keep us in poverty, you are able to control the harvesting of these minerals without us taking part in that. I mean, who owns the mines? Who owns the factories? Who owns um, the farms? You, you see what I'm saying? So, there has then been um, that aspect. Now I want to get onto a very sensitive subject, that of racism, because 
we tend to think of racism as the hatred of white people or rather the hatred of black people by white people. And I'm saying racism goes a lot deeper than that, okay? When white people started coming out of their caves in Europe, Caucasus Mountains and whatever, um, and then they formed into the Rus, into the Celts, the Gauls and whatever, these tribes of theirs that they had, um, they then realized that, hang on a minute, but Africa has moved so far and then they started learning how to sail the seas like Africans are doing. So Christopher Columbus was not the first person to sail the seas, not by any means, okay? When they started learning, oh, okay, we can also sail the seas. They realized that everywhere they landed, the people there were of dark colored skin, melanated skin, carbon skin, okay? Like yours and mine. And it became worse when they started having interracial relations with Africans or people of color. And they realized that they were not recreating white children. Children lo still looked like us, even if they looked of a, they, would, they became of a fairer skin, but they were still our pigmentation. They were still, they contained melanin. They contained other traits, genetic traits that were linked to Africans. So then they started realizing that if these people were to come over into Europe, then Europe would cease to exist or rather Europeans would cease to exist. So then the fight for extinction started. Now it's about white genetic survival, okay? We as African people have never had in our history right through the continent, we have never ever had the need to proclaim our superiority. Because if you feel superior, you don't need to shout and make a noise about it. Why is it that Europeans always have to try and show and tell everybody, we are superior, we are superior, we are, you know, it happens even now. It happens even now, we are superior. Why do they have to shout that they are superior? Are they really feeling superior? Are they really superior? I mean, our ancestors did not stop with the pyramids. The genius continued because even right to this day, the GPS that you are using on your phone is invented by an African, okay? In our surgeries, the implements that our surgeons used were invented by Africans. Imhotep, the father of medicine, not Hippocrates. Hippocrates could never have been the father of medicine. He studied medicine in Kemet, 2000 years after the death of Imhotep, who is the father of medicine. So it started this jealousy, this wanting to fight for survival. And these are facts. I'm not talking hatred here. I'm talking facts. I'm not saying let's go out and hate white people. But I'm saying this is the truth. We acknowledge the truth. We know it. We study it. You as a white person, if you are listening or watching, acknowledge it. Acknowledge that this is the weakness of your ancestors. It's got nothing to do with, I'm not preaching hate, hatred. I'm not saying let's hate white people. But I'm saying let's now right the wrong and let's understand the truth for what it is. And let us return to the greatness of our ancestors as Africans. So you understand therefore how 
this hatred of Africans started, this racism. Mm -hmm. And then they made sure that the racism is perpetuated in every aspect of life, okay? So how do they do that? They make sure that it's in the education, it's in the entertainment, it's in the economy, it's in politics, it's in war, it's in sex, it's in um, religion, it's in, you know, all of these aspects, it's in law. Even if you look at our law, Roman Dutch law, why are we living under Roman Dutch law? I'm neither Roman nor Dutch. Why must I subscribe to Roman Dutch law? It doesn't make sense to me. Right now it has messed up even with, it has messed up our indigenous marriages. You know, we now must look at our indigenous unions through the eyes of white people. For, I'll give you an example. The, 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 the Roman Dutch law allows for people to cohabit to an extent that when they separate, you start talking about whose assets are whose. In our indigenous law, you, you are not allowed to cohabit. It does, it's prohibited. You, can't, you cannot cohabit. You know you, you need to pay your dues and not pay your dues because you are buying. You need to pay your dues because you are putting together that union. And is not between two individuals. It's a union of families. What happens with Europeans? They meet each other somewhere, they fall in love, they go to home affairs, and they come back to tell their parents, mom, meet my, new, my wife. <laughs> so it's, 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 a, it's between two individuals. It's unheard of among Africans. You cannot do that because you are breaking so many laws, not only in the physical realm, but also in the spiritual realm. That is why a white wedding means nothing to us Africans. So when you start understanding, that is why I'm saying know thyself. When you start understanding all of these things, and understanding who you are as an African person, then you begin to understand, okay, where am I as a person in the bigger scheme of things? Where am I in terms of indigenous law, indigenous practice? Where am I if I meet a girl? What do I do in order to make sure that I don't contravene, in order to make sure You know, I, I don't mess with the spirits. My grandfather used to say to me, you cannot be in the flesh and attempt to fight the spirit. Doesn't happen. So you've got to then take cognizance of the fact that there are spirits, spirits of ancestors, the great spirits of the universe that are out there that you need to pay homage to, that you need to respect, that you need to always make sure Uguti, you observe them and you observe the, the laws that govern and that govern life in general. So that's how the hatred mm. started and that's why it started. Mm. Yo, such deep teachings. I'm just soaking in with this wisdom. It's, it's so powerful. Thank you for just like opening our minds to understand more on what's happening. Um, I'm thinking of, of this from like a psychological perspective, uh, just because that's the training I received um, 
that right now the our society as you're mentioning is decaying we are working with just the opposite of what is original and what is natural for us african people because every part of how we do things right now is not how our ancestors did things right and it's this decaying of the original blueprint that is creating what we call the ego pathologies that we see in our community right where now the ego the identity of an african it's rife it's distorted it's contaminated it's it's broken into pieces that are not the original blueprint and when we're talking about even indigenous marriages and the original blueprint we don't see that in our community now because all this has been contaminated and the origin once again is also about the superiority complex of other races and them feeling the need to come and prove that they are superior right and this is the events that were happening the history that you mentioned was happening here in the physical right i'm wondering if there is a spiritual aspect to it as well is there a particular reason why this played out this way from a spiritual perspective and um Yes, I'll come back to the DNA question after that. Yes, let me stop here. Okay, when we look at spirituality, mm. Africans have always been spiritual. Now, this goes all the way, if you, 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 you were to read um, uh, uh, the work, the research work done by um, the late great Dr. Sheikh Ante Diop, um, he scientifically, conducted studies, even uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Pia Fellabenga, um, scientifically uh, proving that, for example, the so-called ancient Egyptians were African, okay? But that's now the DNA part that I think you're alluding to. But I just want to link it because it's kind of connected in a way. I, I want to come back mm -hmm. to the spirituality aspect of it. The first mm -hmm. people to write anything down were the Twa people. And I'm linking it back to Sheikh Ante Diop because Sheikh Ante Diop proved through his research, his scientific research, that the first people on the continent and on the planet were the Twa people in the, in, in, from the Great Lakes region. And from there on, we spread um, right up until the south. We still have Abatwa right here in the south. Okay, we have Abatwa. Mm -hmm in the north, we have them in the east, we have them in the west, right through the continent of, of, of Africa, okay? So these were the first people to write anything spiritual, okay? Now, this was almost a million years before Kemet came into being. The Twa mm. people started writing theosophy. And that theosophy then went into Kemet as well when Kemet developed. Um, I think by the first king, uh, of Kemet, King uh, Nama. When Nama started the kingdom, um, the pre-dynastic era in, in Kemet, um, these writings then were incorporated. That is why you will find also um, statues and reliefs of, Twa, of the Twa people uh, in, in the walls uh, and in the, in the tombs, uh, in the pyramids in Kemet, because our ancient ancestors paid homage to the Twa people. 
because they, they are part of that civilization. Our ancient ancestors paid homage to every person on the continent who came to Kemet um, in one way or another. It's either they represented you by way of palm trees, so they would erect uh, huge palm trees, palm tree pillars and so on and so forth. So they did a number of things to pay homage to everybody to make sure that we are all represented in Kemet, okay? Over and above mm -hmm. that, the language itself, Meduneta in Kemet is composed of all the languages, the indigenous languages on the continent. So even if you are speaking Sichuana, you can understand Meduneta. You're speaking Isizulu, you can understand Medunet. You're speaking Lingala, you can understand Medunet. You're speaking Lozi, you can understand Medunet. You know, every indigenous language, right, is represented. So when we talk about the question of spirituality, um, it, it goes hand in glove with culture, with practice, with, you know, um, now, there is a debate as to whether culture comes first before spirituality or spirituality came. But I would say this, spirituality and religion are two different things. Spirituality has always been there, okay? Um, then comes the culture and the culture then informs the religion. So once you decide in terms of your culture, you then decide, because religion is primarily about ritual. So you decide the ritual you're going to perform, the ritualistic aspect. But religion is not only ritual. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying religion is just really, you know, ritual. But what I am saying is a greater part of religion is about ritual. But in order for you to understand what ritual you're going to partake in or formulate, you need to understand what is your culture what is your way of life before you come to that point? So, and in order for you to understand what is your culture, you need to, you need to be cognizant of who you are as a person. What is your spiritual connection to yourself, to your relatives, to your children, to your parents, to the land, to the sky, to the tree, and so on. And therefore you formulate culture in that regard. So you see, now we're working backwards. So you see how spirituality be, is interwoven in everything that we do. It is, it is interwoven in our thoughts, in our deeds, in our uh, lives, in, in our music, in, in our sorrows, in everything, everything of us. That is why, therefore, we come back to this uh, maxim that I used earlier on. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. It comes back to that, you see, yeah. Wow, yes, definitely. Uh, it brings a full picture. I like that uh, differentiation of that spirituality is always there and then culture comes and then we, I've never thought of it that way, which makes sense because yes, uh, religion is the organizing, people coming together to organize how they will practice uh, that spirituality and they create a culture from that together, which um, which also extends to why our African uh, spirituality or traditions related to our spiritual connections 
our spiritual healing practices has also been distorted, right? Um, and how currently we have a great fear of our African spirituality, which then becomes a fear of the self, essentially, because that's your true self, you are spirit, right? So there is this great fear of the self, of African people that has trickled down from slavery and colonization up to this current time that we are in, right? And when we are doing this process of knowing the self and we are doing it as, as an individual at a personal level, what are the steps that we can begin to do? I mean, other than understanding our history, what else can we do to, to embody the, the culture, the spirituality, the true history of our ancestors as African people? I think the first thing to do is to be simplistic. And by that, I mean to say, start within your area of influence, your immediate area, you know, be the change you wish to see. So it doesn't help to say, I would love for Africa to unite, but in your space, you're creating divisions divisions with your wife, divisions with your children, your family, divisions with your friends, divisions at work, divisions, you know, you're always creating divisions because that has a ripple effect. People next to you see you create the divisions and because we are creatures of, the, we are products of our surroundings, we tend to subconsciously pick on these bad habits and we look at gender-based violence, for example, how that spreads like a wildfire. It started by one person lifting his hand to a woman. Somebody else sees it, a child sees it, grows up thinking this is what we need to do. They lifted their hand to a woman. A neighbor sees it thinking, okay, this is how I need to deal with my wife. He lifts his hand and it spreads on that way. Whereas when you start saying, how do I live a righteous life? Remember I talked about Ubuntu, come back to the principles of Ma'at, the principles of Ubuntu, self-writing, where you say, have I done the right thing today? And it's not about reciting the principles. A lot of people are into recitation. I know the 42 laws of my art, therefore I recite mm -hmm. them. I have not stolen. I have not shamed my ancestors. I have not Ill, spoken ill of another. I have not interfered with another's wife or, or coveted another's wife. I have not. It's one thing to recite them, but it is a completely different matter to live them. Can you, can you come home and start retracing your steps throughout the day and say, you know, you, you actually ask yourself the question, have I hurt somebody today? Have I told a lie today? Have I coveted somebody's wife today? Have I, have I stolen today? Have I desecrated my ancestors today? Have I spoken ill of another today? Have I, you know, you ask yourself these questions mm. and where you find the answer being no or in the negative, then you start saying, I need to make that right. So the next day you begin a process of saying, uh, my neighbor, 
my friend, my brother, I have hurt you. It was not, in, it was not my intent. Or even if it was my intent, but I don't know what on earth overcame me. Um, I need to overcome my animalistic self because that's where it starts. You hurt your neighbor because mm. you cannot overcome your animalistic nature. You get jealous. Jealousy is your animalistic instinct. You need to overcome that. Because once you overcome it, you, be, you, you are happy with your neighbor's progress. Because then it means you understand that their progress is your success. Because in the spiritual realm, you can then connect. Because if he's happy, uh, that positive energy spills over, it generates positive positivity uh, right around you, in, 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 even within your own environment. And therefore you begin to generate that positivity and you move forward into the spiritual realm now. So these feelings of jealousy and hatred, these are animalistic um, traits. So ma'at or ubuntu brings you back to that realization, to you asking yourself the question, have I done the right thing today? Yeah. It's got nothing to do with who saw you or didn't see you, you know? You might meet your neighbor's wife somewhere in a hotel, nobody sees you, but you see yourself. Your spirit sees you, your ancestors see you, their ancestors see you. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, you are not only just lying and fooling yourself, but you are fooling your ancestors as well. More, more than that, you are actually disrespecting your ancestors. You are shaming your ancestors. You are, that is why when the, when, when, when the law says, have I shamed my ancestors? Have I, I or, or, you, or you can use it in the positive um, um, uh, 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 phrase to say, I will not shame my ancestors. You will not shame them how? Because you will not be busy coveting some, somebody else's wife. And it, 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 just digress a little bit. I want to put on this aspect whilst we're talking about women. I want to, to, put this, to put this point across because I don't want it to seem as though I am being chauvinistic. I don't want to use the word patriarchy because patriarchy and matriarchy are terms which have their own respective places and they have nothing to do with being chauvinistic and abusive. But be that as it may, when we talk about women, we are not talking about women because we think we are superior to them. On the contrary, we, we talk about women even beyond equality. We don't even say we are equal, okay? but we talk about equity rather than equality, okay? Because we are made differently, but being different doesn't mean one is more important than the other, but we are also complementary. Women have their role to play. And I, as a man would not be here if it were not for a woman, whether I like it or not, unless a tea bag gave birth to me or something. But I cannot say I am proud to be a man without mm -hmm. the presence of a woman. So in actual fact, who is God? 
Woman is God. Mm. Who brought me here? Yeah. Woman brought me here. So who is God? Woman is God. And I say that without any fear, without hesitation. Okay? Now, when we understand that, then you start beginning to understand why you should never ever raise your hand against a woman. Woman is God. Mm. Who in their right minds raises their hand against God? Think about it. Mm. Yeah. So this is all part of know thyself, understand who you are, understand these concepts. Okay. So I just wanted to put mm. this one up here so that when we talk about women, it's in context, people understand that we are not talking from a chauvinistic perspective. It takes a woman to make you a man. In my indigenous space as a Zulu man, I am not a man unless I am married to a woman. Okay? I will not be able to sit with married men and share the calabash with them. Okay? Even if I have gray hair, if I have not been married, I am not a man. So if it takes a woman to make me a man, how great is a woman? She is not your child. Because if your father is alive, it is the house that you are building, even if it is your money, is your grandfather's house. Your house will be built by your children or your grandchildren. So she's not your child. She's the child of your ancestors. So when we say a woman is a child, she's not your child. She's in partnership with you. And that is the misconception that we need to get rid of. When people start thinking mm. women are children. No, no, no. She is not your child. When you have nothing, you are building your father or your grandfather's house. It's not yours. So how then do you begin to even take ownership of her? You don't own her. She is coming here to help you to build your grandfather's house. So that is how important women are. And when we start understanding this, we will start understanding that there's no need for gender-based violence. There's no need for disrespecting women. You can never be a king unless you take a queen. It's that simple. We see it even in, in Kemet. You will never see a statue of a king outside of his queen in Kemet. Okay? You will never see a king in South Africa, in Swaziland, uh, Eswatini, uh, uh, or any other place um, be a king without a woman. Mm. They, the, a king must always take a woman, must take a queen. Because who advises you? Who advises you? It is the queen who advises you. But mm. uh, like, you'll forgive me for digressing, but I just think that with everything that is happening, we, we, so, we, we kind of have to digress and get into the business of understanding how great women are and how much we need women. Life without a woman is not life. It does not exist. Mm. So when we understand that, 
then we begin to understand how to live properly with women, whether it is our girl children, our mothers, our aunts, our grandmothers, our wives, our sisters, you understand? So that is why mm. I am, I, I've digressed a little bit in terms of this. But mm. going back to the question that you asked, it is important therefore that we start with our circle of influence. You start with yourself. Have I done the right thing? Before you even look at um, understanding history, understanding pre-colonial history, understanding who are our ancestors before we were attacked and defiled and enslaved and so on and so forth. When you start doing the right thing in terms of Ubuntu right now, it will then lead you into the path of understanding the correct history. Because if you do not know who you are and you do not know who your ancestors were, you will believe anything your enemy tells you. Remember that until you hear or until the lion is able to tell his story, the hunter remains the hero. Mm -hmm. So for as long as we don't know who we are in truth, we will believe whatever nonsense that the colonialists tell us. Mm. They'll tell us we were inferior. They'll tell us we, we, we didn't know how to write. It was Emperor Constantine who actually sent the earth or the world into a 200 year, a, 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 it, well, it was a 2000 year period of darkness, okay? A period of what they, what they would call the dark era, the, the the medieval era, where people were not allowed to read and write, okay? Our ancestors were able to read and write long before, before Constantine, okay? Long before the Europeans came out of the Achaeans. Now, when Constantine came, he made sure that nobody else can read or write. That is why the Bible today doesn't make sense because now we can read the damn thing. It's no longer because the priests are, are supposed to be reading it. Now we are reading this as a book. Mm. Now we are saying, we read, it says, God made Adam. He put him to sleep. From his rib, he created Eve. Beautiful story. I mean, I can relate to that. It's beautiful. All right. Adam and Eve um, there was that story about Adam being enticed, or was it Eve who was enticed in terms of the, the, the forbidden food, and then he, she enticed Adam, uh, who then ate this uh, uh, forbidden fruit, and they realized that they were naked, whatever, uh, until they eventually um, engaged in intercourse, and they started having children. So they had two children, Cain and Abel. So our understanding in terms of that story is there were four people in the world. Mm -hmm. Then Cain killed his brother Abel, okay? Then it brings it back mm -hmm. to three people. So there were three people in the world. Cain was banished mm -hmm. from his home. He went wherever he went and came back after a couple of years. His parents welcomed him. There's still three people in the world. Then the most baffling part begins for me. It says Cain got married. And I thought, wait a minute, but 
it was Adam, Eve, and Cain, who is the son of Adam and Eve. Who is Cain married? Now the story doesn't make sense. Now, and all the stories in the Bible are like that. In fact, not just in the mm -hmm. Bible. In the Quran, it's the same nonsense. In the Torah, it's the same nonsense. Okay, and I'll call it nonsense mm -hmm. because it is. Sue me if you like, I don't care. Show me a grave of any person mentioned in the Bible. And I will become a Christian the very next moment. You can't find the grave of Abraham, Moses, no single person in the Bible. And we know two things about Europeans, by the way. If they dig up a grave of a black person, they put him in a museum. If they dig up a grave of a white person, they create a monument. You cannot find a monument or a tomb of anyone in the Bible. Mm. Let's leave that aside. Let's talk about Solomon, who had a thousand wives. Surely we should be seeing the descendants of Solomon to this day. Where are they? Who are they? So we, 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 we mustn't concern ourselves with things that have got nothing to do with us and with our story as Africans. Let's come back to the real thing. What did our ancestors do? Mm. When did they do it? And how did they do it? Why did they do it? Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why are we forsaking mm. what our ancestors have done? They call us demons. You know what I mean? Mm. You go and you do something for your ancestors. Now, if they are calling mm. your ancestors demons, does that not mean that you are a demon waiting to happen? You're going to be an ancestor one day, aren't you? So are you a demon waiting to happen? Why are we stuck with this, with this nonsense? You see what I'm saying? So let us come back. Start with your area of influence. Do the things which you know in your heart are right, righteous living. Forget about who has seen you, who hasn't seen you. Look at yourself. You are seeing you. Your ancestors are seeing you. Okay? Your mm -hmm. conscience is seeing you. Have I done the right thing? And from that point on, you will be spiritually led to understanding that you need to dig up your history, your true history. Mm -hmm. okay? Forget about this pie in the sky uh, nonsense that, that, that came with the Europeans and whatever. They take our stories, pervert them, and then sell them mm. to us as our own, which is not true. Mm. I've never seen or heard of any ancestor of ours in the Bible, in the Quran, in, because these are not of ours. Somebody was saying to me the other day, yeah, but Africans didn't write anything. And I'm saying, let's go back into history. And I'm not just talking about history. I'm talking about scientific records. Let's go into archaeology. Let's go into anthropology. Let's go into mm -hmm. the work by Sheikh Antidiop, Theofelo Benga, Ivan van Sertima, mm -hmm. Yusuf ben Yokanen, Anthony Browder, you name them that we have tremendous scholars, Mwata Ashby, we have tremendous scholars who have done tremendous work who are teaching us this. Let's go back there, dig up that history. But before we go there, write yourself. Write yourself, start with your area of influence. Mm. In as much as you can learn a bad habit, 
you can also learn a good habit. In as much as you can unlearn a bad habit, you can unlearn a good habit. The idea is not to unlearn a good habit, is to learn the, the good habit and unlearn the bad habit. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. This truth, you're speaking truth, people. My heart is like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, I'm very excited right now. I don't even know where to begin. Um, but I want to take this time to actually invite uh, everyone who's watching to start asking questions. If you have any questions, if you would like Mukulu to expand on something he mentioned, I know that it's just, this was like an education. So I'm processing everything that you've been saying. And I really appreciate it because it's really affirming also my my interest and really the reason why i'm doing this show is for this particular reason for us to return to our knowledge the true knowledge our indigenous knowledge our ancient african knowledge so that we can do this reclamation reparation within the self first and then it will trigger out into into our community into our continent and as you are I have so many thoughts, honestly, uh, on everything that you said. And so I'm going to actually take some time to think about what I want to say uh, and go jump into the question here as I process everything you're saying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we have a question here from Gogotas. Hello, Goko. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> So she's saying, great teachings, thank you. I appreciated the point on eloping and cohabiting and how critical it is for us to get together in matrimony according to African rights. I was actually feeling that you need to just come back and teach us everything with sacred marriages, Mukholi, just as an FRI, because I was learning a lot when you started to speak about this. But uh, she would like you to elaborate further on the distortions that we are causing through cohabitation. Okay. Now, let me go back into the rites of passage before we get to cohabiting or marriage, indigenous marriage, okay? Now, children develop give or take in stages of seven years, okay? When they are seven years of age, they enter a different developmental stage. When they are 14, they enter a different developmental stage. When they're around 21, you know this, you've, you know, it's, it's, it's part of psychology as well. Um, so I'm not talking about something completely foreign. You understand this. Um, our ancient ancestors also understood this. So when a child enters into stages, they, there are certain rights that are performed for this child, ushering them into the new stage of their life, because it is important that the child grows into that particular stage. You know, when you are, for example, a boy and you enter manhood, you can't be doing boyish things. You can't be playing boyish games. You can't, you know, you are, you are at a different phase of your life. Life becomes a bit more serious you have responsibilities now, you should be behaving in a certain way, you should be you know, doing certain things um, and not doing other things and so on and so forth. Um, 
you should be at a position where you are you are ready to to take a wife uh you are ready to build um your your, your father's house as it were uh so we need to go through these rites of passage and in as much as we do them for girls we also do them for boys okay for example when a girl uh, a, a girl child um a, a very young girl starts getting into her periods. And that is a rite of passage because we need to celebrate the fact that she is entering into that phase of her life. Okay? She has now gotten her first period. That obviously does not mean she must now go and take a, a boyfriend and, and, and whatever you know. We, we, we are happy as parents, as the community, that we understand that this girl is growing a normal growth and that she, by, by virtue of her first period, she promises life because that's what it means. It, she's at the stage where her body is readying itself to give life, okay? Likewise with the boy, we also celebrate and we usher the boy into that rite of passage. Now, when we do all of these, we start understanding that marriage is also a rite of passage. Like I said, you cannot be a man until you take a wife. It is a rite of passage for a boy to enter manhood. Otherwise you remain a perpetual boy until you pass away, until you transcend, okay? Now, with this rite of passage in terms of marriage, you, 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 when you take a wife, let's go back a little bit in terms of the indigenous process. You see a girl, you like her, you decide, hey, I want to marry this girl. So you approach your family and you say, uh, you will either speak uh, through your elder brother or through your uncle, because we respected our parents so much that we felt that it was disrespectful to talk to them directly about such matters. It was not about being afraid of them, it was out of respect. And we had institutions and these institutions are the ones which helped us to do certain things. For example, your maternal uncle is an institution. There are things that only he can do, that he's supposed to do. No one else must do them. Likewise with your paternal uncle, likewise with your maternal aunt, your paternal aunt, and so on. That is why and so on. These are institutions that we are talking about, and they have specific roles. Now, modernity and westernization has eroded these institutions. And as a result, we're finding ourselves lost. Now, when you're married, when you get married, you find your friends in, in, in your wedding reception. Hey, that is the, it's not their duty. It's not their place. You know, you are my friend, you are not my father. It's not your place to be giving that advice. So 
now we need to go back and say, how do these things happen? Why did they happen the way that they happened? There was a reason why. Because Uma, I have taken advice from a friend of mine. And then I have an argument with my wife. What type of advice do you think my friend is going to give me in terms of resolving that issue? A lot of the time, the first thing that, that will be said is, are we a pair to us? But hang on a minute. These things do happen, but you must learn how to build. And find a way of bringing her to the mind that you, you have. If you are thinking a particular way and you are thinking what it is right, it is what is right for the family. Bring, usher her into that realization as well. Don't bully her into it, but make her understand what it Do you see what I'm saying? Walk with her in your journey. Don't walk in the front and expect her to follow. Walk with her hand in hand. She is there to help you to build. You know, she's not your servant. Now let's go back. We are talking about these rites of passages and we are saying marriage is a rite of passage. Now, what are you doing by cohabiting? You are foregoing that rite of passage. But I want to take it a step further, a step back actually. We were talking about the rites of passage of a girl. Now let's talk about virgin maidens. Virgin maidens, their bodies are pure in as much as the boys' bodies are pure, but specifically virgin maidens by virtue of the fact that they are the ones who ultimately bring life forward. Do you understand? They incubate a seed and nine months later, it comes out as a beautiful baby with life. Do you see what I'm saying? So they are very important for that reason. And for that reason, they're also important because virgin maidens can pray for the rain, okay? Virgin maidens can enter into the, the cow shed or isbai. Okay, 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 You understand? Now, that there's a specific reason for that. And it is not to say, Uguti, uh, oh, mama because there's something wrong with them. But it is because the kind of power that they now possess can be, how can I, it can overpower um, yourself as a man. It can, so women have tremendous power. And it is not that we seek to control that power, but we seek to understand how does you know, so, um, and that is why, even to this day, you will understand that as an athlete, 
you must abstain before you go and you play your sport. You abstain from sexual activity before you play sport. Because that, that, that's, that energy gets drained from you during sexual intercourse. That's how powerful a woman is. Now, it's all of these things that we are talking about. Now, when we are talking about being in a position where you understand, Uguti, you are a spiritual being having a human experience. You understand, Uguti, Uma Utata Ubuntombi from the Virgin Maiden. Okay, so you take her virginity away. By so doing, you are defiling that house from where this girl is born, from where she comes. You are defiling that house. You are defiling the respect. You are, you are disrespecting um, the girl's father. But not only are you disrespecting him, you're disrespecting him, yes, because he's the head of the house, but you are not only dis disrespecting him, you're disrespecting the ancestors of that house. Not only are you disrespecting the ancestors of that house, you are disrespecting your own ancestors. You are embarrassing them. That you take upon. Now, in our indigenous circle, that is why I always ask people, Guti, when we discuss indigenous matters, take off your Eurocentric cap, because here we don't think Eurocentric. Eurocentrism doesn't have a place when we talk about matters of African spirituality or indigenous matters for that matter of any kind, whether it's indigenous law, um, matters like this, marriage and so on and so forth. We do not want to think in terms of Eurocentric uh, 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 thought. Take off your cap. Let's get into the thick of it. A girl, no matter how old she is, is under, is either under her father or her husband. And when I say she's under her husband, she's not under him per se. She is under so she's under the ancestors in, of the family into which she's, she's married. You see, so even if a she's now working, she's got her own flat. That flat is in essence her father's flat. You see what I'm saying? Yes, it is in essence her father's flat. It is not hers. So she can't just do willy-nilly. And it is because she is that important, not because uh, she is submissive or subjugated. No. You see, there's a difference. So we need to understand. Take off your Eurocentric cap. Now, let's get back into into Esinto. How it was intended, why it was intended that way. Now, we are talking about the importance of a girl child. You take her virginity. You disrespect, like I said, you have now created which is you defiled yourself, your ancestors, the ancestors of that house, the man of the house, right? 
Understanding what I said, Intombazan is either under the, the authority of her father or her husband. And it's not, just, it's not her husband per se, it is the family into which she marries, right? Now, when you have that in mind, you understand, Uguti, this is the reason why, no matter how old a girl is, she does not have consent. Yes, long, I took 12. My son, 18, was saying, as better than Jenga's king. She can sleep with whatever boy she wants and so on and so forth. It's consensual. She can consent. Yes, she does not have consent. And she does not have consent because it is taken away from her. She must understand her role. So as but also now you as the man, you are the guardian. It is your responsibility to make sure you do not cause that type of a problem. That is the reason why Uma because you have taken away, you have neglected your responsibility. You have taken away your birthright of being the protector and the guardian. You are not protecting her because she's weak. You are protecting her because she's important. That's a vast difference right there. So we don't protect women because we think they can't protect themselves and they're weak, no. We protect them because they are important. Let's understand that. Yeah. Take off your Eurocentric cap. Let's get into the thick of it. Okay, because now already I know there are people who are saying, yeah, but she's got consent, this and the other. You know, the law doesn't allow. Oh, wait, what law are you talking about? I'm not Roman, I'm not Dutch. You understand? I will not mix the two. So let's not mix things. Now, when you understand that part, then you begin to understand the reason why it is important because you want to buy a punch bag that you're going to put in your house. If you know the importance of a woman, you do not lift your hand to her under any circumstances whatsoever. It is your responsibility, no matter how angry she might be, it's your responsibility to bring her, sit her down and say, love, you have every right to be upset. Okay? Why? Because she's important. Why? Because we are no wakela umozi. Right? So, let's get into the thick of isindu. Now, I am saying it's a rite of passage. You now understand why marriage is a rite of passage. Then we look at how that process begins to take shape. Okay? And I don't want to talk necessarily about 11 cows because we all understand how that came into being, the price that was set. Okay? 
kuneyinkomo ke vese ezinomsebenzi wazo kufike kube inkomo kababa in fact inkomo kababa yesibili kuqala ngenkomo kanina okay lekuthwa ingqotho okay sikhulumisa into by the way so abantu ke ngiyase bayabaleka manje ngoba ngikhulumisa into cha akho nhlamba ngikhulumisa into right igama layo ke leyo inkomo ukuthwa ingqotho bese kuba inkomo kayise Okay, this is a land of Lana a was a conium coiso, conning e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e e Europeans started interfering with cultural practice to determine the price of 11 cows. Things started going wrong. Now we have about five cows. We can tell you, you understand? So Sikramagasesiti 11 cows. But Lolevan Manja has been interfered with because it is predetermined by somebody else who is not even African for that matter. Okay? As Pumegelab, Sila. Kipa ilobol. Mo kipa ilobol. You are saying, Gifisa ugwaka upshobo. Nai imbalengi ibonile engi itandile. Nabagita ba itandile. Okay? By the way, you are not doing this yourself. You do it through your delegation. So you zoketa o malume or the a group of elders that you trust, because it's an important thing. You can't do you are, you are not, it's the same as for example, I'll give you an example now. Before a magistrate in a court of law, you okay, let me use for example a, a, a high court. Okay, before the court of law in the high court, you have your normal lawyer and you would have an advocate. Unless your lawyer has rights, specific rights to appear before a judge, he's, he does not have the authority. He must speak through the advocate. The advocate will face the judge. Okay, that's just the simplest example I can give at this moment, but one that people can relate with. But why is it that an advocate faces a judge? Okay. Um, similarly here, you do not have rights to go uyokuluma nomkwe wako, noma nomkwe wako. Ufanele guketwe abandu who are going to appear on your behalf because of that respect. So now relate the example, okay? So your delegation will go and negotiate on your behalf. And they will bring back a, a reply, and so on. And then now we are buying the person. We are no longer building as a father, it is my duty to raise my children. And I will not charge anyone else for that. 
So Uma saying Shatisa, our daughter, I will not say I educated her. It is my duty to educate her. It's my duty. I cannot delegate or pass on that responsibility to somebody else to pay for. That is why in Ghana it was abusing because don't find us of asuga manjuguti So we are killing our indigenous practices by doing them in the incorrect manner, in the incorrect spirit. Okay, so we must do that properly. But now you come into the section where uh, Alright? Still though, she's not your woman. So that is our equivalent of an engagement, if I can put it that way. Right? Then comes the day where we are talking Right? Again. That process is not complete until Kupambaniswa in Changoti. So Kunenkoma Bam Kipangai Guba. Baishava Leonkomong and Kati Baishava Leonkom by Kaya Pagati, the half of that cow, Bampelezela and I must have been So when they are bringing her over to her matrimonial home, they will, that half of that cow comes with her, right? When you do that, half of that cow goes with them, with your in-laws, okay? So that's the exchange. But still that process is not complete. It's the beginning of the process, the exchange of the halves. That process, then says, Usengo wala ikaya. But remember, Guti, the time bem keeper gubo nalul shango tilenko mabaiba mshabela nimbuzi yugum keeper. Yogushu gutige. Agase, that's why I tell uh, our girl children, Uguti. Um, I'm trying to put it in English now, but in Gesizul, I, I would say to her, Awi yeno wa amigotu isklobo sam. In other words, you are not mine here, but you will always be my relative. Because indeed, she is going to marry out and become the child of another household. But she will always forever be my relative. That does not stop. 
ukusho ukuthi ke leyo mfana maseqala ezibona ukuthi uyinsizwa akeze nasingene mina naye because i have a duty to de- to defend my daughter's honor no matter what under any circumstances okay it's not the responsibility of the police or the government touch my children you face me as the father it is my birthright it's not given to me by government you understand that's the difference but guys pumela apho bengisela kulenda here what i'm saying uma ngabe ke you are giving this woman your surname she is not your child she is the child of your ancestors she is your partner to help you to build the home of your ancestors so when ziweke umshado ke lapho supheleleke mayi sechelwe ngenyongo useyingane yalayikhaya not yakho wena umuntu esilisa awona ngane wena awona ngane because awona muzi umuza kubona wakho wakho uzokwakhiwa abazukuli bakho I hope I've answered the question. It's a bit of a complex one, but uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's all I have. I just kept saying, feeling and thinking, wow. I am speechless because the nuance of, of language, understanding, our culture our tradition our norms in the way that you just broke down is just wow that's all i can say uh, i've never really understood it this way the way you just explained it and it's just it makes me want to go read even more and understand the you know the rituals of our people and why we do them the way that we do them and and not project the english into what is being said because that's what we do we project the english and then take under and then really take it as you are under the man but just the way you just explained everything it's just lifted such heaviness around some of the struggles i had with tradition and not understanding it you know so thank you so much for explaining uh even when you were speaking in zulu which is not my native language i my spirit could understand i was like i hear what you are saying so this has been so powerful and i just believe we could go on forever there are some comments here that i want to just read again this is coming from sembile she's saying i think she's responding to one of the things you said when you were when you explaining the conversation of of marriage yes so she saying thank you so much on the point of friends giving advice when it is not that place to give it or to be asked because really they only take care of their friends interest and so them will they have the family's interest and as people this is something that has become normal practice with the marriage structures thank you for highlighting and bringing clarity to it Mukuru you brought so much clarity to so many things. I'm now even realizing how these bridal showers that we're having should not happen it should not be happening the way we currently do them because what advice could I give to someone who is about to enter marriage when I'm not a married woman? It's interesting. Yeah. Um yes to to really understand who we are, our history, the purpose of our <laughs> 
our culture, our norms, our practices, and how they are seeped in such deep and spiritual wisdom and truth. And we miss this as the, uh, as the current generation. We, we just completely just totally miss this. So thank you so much. There's a lot of gratitude coming for you, Mkulu, on Facebook as well. There is just, I think you blew our minds and we, we don't have any questions anymore um but there is gratitude on on the the african history that you shared with us and more than anything affirming how powerful we are as africans how powerful we are as women until today i didn't comprehend how powerful women are i think i always say it because i do work with women but today this was deeply affirmed and even explained in the context of our history, our culture, our practices. So thank you so much. Wow. Was Am I the only one who gave up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was so beautiful. We must have you again uh, because there's so much to learn and so much to, to reclaim and to understand about the South and the African and us right now at this particular point in history and understanding where we come from, what was stolen from us and how it's important to retain that if we are intending to change all the inverted systems that currently exist in our continent, they will not happen through us just writing, changing laws and, um, you know, just focusing on the external, it really comes back to the self and it also comes back to us having the desire to truly understand where we come from and the desire to release all the other learnings, teachings that we learned that without us understanding, they were oppressing and suppressing the African peace, the African history, the African way. All right, so this is what has come up for me, what I'm grateful for from this conversation. And um, as a way to wrap up, because I believe we could go deeper even more, uh, for people who want to continue to just be in your space, learn more from you, how can they do that? How can they connect with you? Okay, my uh, email address is msheli.linda, msheli. M-H-L-E-L-I dot L-I-N-D-A at outlook.com. Shaley dot Linda at outlook.com. Um, on my, oh, I'm afraid to, can I not give my phone number out just yet? Because yes. I, I, okay. I have a very bad habit of not paying attention to my phone. So I don't mm -hmm. want to find myself in trouble. Um, I'm always busy doing a number of things rather uh, uh, communicate, let's communicate via email. And also with email, it's easier because then when I've sent you the email, at least I know I have uh, re replied to you. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, you did share in the bio that I put in the website speaker page of this uh, series that we're doing about uh, initiatives that you're part of. 
uh, that people can go and further engage with you as a member of the different institutions that you you work with in can be natural healing and the different chemical societies institutions that you're part of yes right. uh, the, one of the the institutions which is um, important to me and very dear to me and I think that I've learned so much uh, from it. it. It is uh, the great empire of Kemet, um, uh, led by Umkulu Nsengiza. Uh, I am a scholar, obviously, of Umkulu Nsengiza. So, umani ngezo Umkulu Maganja, nogwazu kututisha uwelo ongfundisai. So, I learned I learn so much from Umkulu, and I'm forever grateful uh, to him. Also, other uh, uh, teachers, Kokunozi uh, Pomotwa, Tendo and Gara. There are so many others who uh, are my mentors and teachers that uh, I learned so much from. Um, mm -hmm. I know I cannot mention all of them right now, uh, but it doesn't mean that they are not thought of and they are not appreciated. Uh, they are indeed. Um, and then I, I also work with uh, three colleagues of mine uh, and, and dear friends, Gui uh, Ika and Be Natural Healing. Um, I also learn a lot from, from those colleagues of mine. Uh, it's a tremendous journey, really. Um, and then Besege Sibane Kemet Organics, and I also learn a lot from those colleagues uh, where we deal also with uh, natural um, or organic herbs, uh, organic medicines, as it says, Kemet Organics. So yes, it's, it's in those spaces. Um, and then Besegeba, um, uh, the space where I'm just a father, just me, um, trying to make sure Guti, you know, <laughs> so that uh, uh, we, 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 we create children who are conscious, children who understand um, how to live uh, the right way, the African way. You know, but we must always come back uh, in terms of teaching them what it is that they should be doing and they should not be doing. How do you, for example, as a boy, interact with girls? Um, how do you, as a girl, interact with boys? How do you use Those are the things, even knowing city, thank you, so those are the things that are very intricate and very important. So we, we need to teach those. But no man abe you know. Mm. Yes, wow. Mm. Um, so powerful. This is, I think, uh, the next step for for every one of us who is here pretending to the self. Uh, the embodiment of all this spiritual wisdom spiritual truth of the lineages that we are part of, of the teachings that we receive in the di different institutions that we are part of. It's now time to embody this and to practice this in our homes, in our relationships with our children, with our parents, with our beloved and our friends. This is vital because I think we spend, and this is because of the invented systems we spoke of, of where there is this division, cognitive dissonance between what we are taught and what we actually practice and what we actually do 
in our individual lives and we will not change shift to turn Africa to the great power that it is was meant to be if we continue to not take on these practices and actually do them on a daily basis at an individual level because it starts with us and then it, it ripples out to the collective consciousness and in the same way that it started with one man and there was an oppression of women it also starts with the individual uh, you who's listening who's here with us for whatever embodiment you step into it becomes the embodiment of our children the next generation and we inspire each other to keep doing this so then africa returns to its original blueprint its original power so this really gives me it's goosebumps a lot of affirmations uh, on the work that we're doing and i'm definitely going to lie down and process everything integrate everything you just taught us thank you so much Mukulu, for for the great teachings of today and everyone as well who joined us we had a lot of people joining us today which was really great thank you so much for spending this evening with us and receiving the wisdom of Mukulu. We are doing this every Tuesdays and Fridays. We have different guests, teachers, speakers, and our purpose is to archive African spirituality, archive history, our philosophies, our ways. And we do this because it's time for us to return to the truth, to return to the self, and to heal as a collective and to begin to build the great civilization that is coming. We can feel it, it's going to happen. So you may join us again on Friday and we will continue to do this season, this particular season until end of November. So thank you so much. Thank you, Mkulu. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>